2: Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host Maddie Matt along with now we got. You. And they're ready for the Top Fox. Yes, right. But before we get into our episode, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. And there you can follow our page, like our page, subscribe to our page. And uh, leave a comment on our page and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your uh, podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Ah, Thank you. Uh, if you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can leave a Cash app donation. Just go to cash app or download the cash app app and just type in dollar sign grinding true crimes or if you have a donate to us at grinding true crimes with your paypal app uh listener's discretion is advised Uh, we do get into details that can be uh, graphic for a certain audience so listener's discretion is advised And uh, last but not least, we want to thank you guys for continuing to listen to us and supporting us. And uh, if you have any recommendations, you can always leave us a comment, and we'll get into your story. Uh, Either one of us will uh, look into it, and we'll try to do our best to cover the story you recommend. Okay, with all that being said, Todd Fox, you have the floor. You have a pretty pretty interesting story you said. I I know you gave us a little bit of detail, a little... um, a surprise but yeah you said it's definitely going to be a good one right
0: yeah this one's unfortunately going to be a a graphic one as well so listener discretion strongly advised in this one uh this is one that was told to me when i was a kid uh by my parents they they heard about this case and uh, it was always a warning so uh we'll get into that right now but uh let's uh Let's let's talk about a few of these cases that took place in the early to mid-90s, sometimes late 90s, because uh, it seemed like the 90s were filled with satanic panic, you know? Um, you had a lot of kids back in the day dressing like Marilyn Manson or in Marilyn Manson gear. You know, Hot Topic was just breaking out at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, death Metal uh, was big. Slayer, Ozzy Osbourne, Witchcraft, Ouija boards... Uh, depressing music like that. The birth of goth kids. So you had a lot of goth kids popping up. South Park made fun of that all the time. <laughs> um, I remember seeing my first goth kid uh, when I was, I think, it was 1994, 95. It shows you how old I am. But um, You're when your age, man. Yeah. <laughs> there was this tall... Uh, white kid just long curly hair kind of looked like um, a cross between Marilyn Manson and Howard Stern and uh, he always wore black combat boots uh, real real tight skinny black pants and a trench coat or some sort of like Marilyn Manson um, type you know or slipknot type shirt so uh, yeah he was just weird man he was always smoking and everything else like that had like the whole choker around his neck and painted black nails um, you remember that very detailed yeah because he freaked me out, <laughs> he freaked me out at <laughs> time. i had
3: one like that in high school too just scared the crap out of me
0: yeah i mean knowing what we know nowadays those would be like the type of school shooters but that was a little before that's you know really became a the real pandemic here in the united states you know that that's you know that was a little bit before all that stuff happened or Maybe close to around that time when it started.
3: You know, in my school, there was a a group like that. Um, They wouldn't really mess with anybody or talk to anybody, but there was just one in particular, the one I tell you, that scared me.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: He was a bully. Oh. If he noticed you, then he would definitely try to do something to push your buttons. And he did that to me once, but I didn't stand down. Oh, that's good. It did scare me, though, because right after like he finished messing with me because I got mad and I like I guess I went off at him too um some other one just ran and like tackled this one down and they just got into a really ugly fight oh, so wow. that scared me because i thought it was like he, he was gonna hit me or something but
1: yeah. he never
3: did but I uh, on a personal level I always loved their style but that definitely caught my eye I used to dress with like the black belts with the chain on the pants and the converse sometimes the boots i loved wearing black black eyeliner all around my eyes i had a hint of it not that bad but i thought they looked
0: cool here we go okay (laughs) is that something we didn't know about gabby (laughs) see I thought she was going to be like, well, yeah, I threatened his wang, and he never bothered me again.
3: (laughs) I was more like punk rock blood, not so much the gospel, because my parents would have never allowed it.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) But if
3: I could, I would have.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. So, again, it's something that we we didn't know. I didn't know that. All right, cool. We all learned. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So this this came around the time also uh, if you've ever we haven't profiled this case because this case frustrates me it's um, it's another one you guys could look up or we might we might get to it one day but it's still technically unsolved it's the West Memphis three um, there's three boys some believe and that's like a real um, real story that can get people swayed either way some people believe the three kids did it which were goth kids at the time that killed three young uh, teenagers uh, or, or actually little kids. Um, mm. They were, they, they were in jail for, for a good while. And then they were exonerated after that. And some people think that there's murders on the street or some people thought that they finally got their, you know, that justice was served and they were released. So it's, it's a crazy story, but they were arrested because initially, you know, they thought satanic panic, satanic ritual, the way the kids were killed. They were just automatically blamed, and they really didn't have any evidence that those kids were involved. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that was going on back in the day. Um, but I digress. Let's get into tonight's story, and uh, we're going to learn about a few kids here. Um, so stick with me on this because I'm going to go through their, um, their backgrounds pretty quickly <clears throat> to give you a background of where these, people, these, these kids came from and then how they play into the story. Okay, um, so we're gonna start out like like Gabby was describing that group that was at her school. Well, mm-hmm. there's a group here, but they're not all the same age. They're a couple years off. There's only a couple that are about the same age, and they're not going to the same high school, but they all hang out together. It's a small town, so these five nomads, um, in and out of high school here all dressed the same as far as gothic type stuff, have the same sort of personalities. Everything that I was, you know, describing before they partook in, partying, drinking, smoking, and playing games like the Ouija board, dabbling in Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, doing some (laughs) occult things, demonistic side, and some vampire stuff we'll get into. That's what they were all about. So they're a little bit, they're not just dressing the part, they're trying to be the part. Hmm. Oh, they all into it they sure are and uh, we'll start in the state of Kentucky so we're going to be in Kentucky on the eastern side of the United States Um, the first person we're going to talk about is one Natasha Cornett and at the time she's 18 years old she was born in Betsy Lane Kentucky which is on the west side of Kentucky Uh, she was a product of a poor family Uh, Cornett Grew up, uh, or up until sixth grade, uh, she had been really good, uh, really good student. um, But somewhere between seventh and eighth grade, she began to be um, addicted to drinking alcohol and taking illegal drugs. And you could say that's normal for like a teenager slash high schooler. But she was drinking a lot, and she wasn't just doing pot. She was doing heroin and ecstasy mixed with cocaine.
2: Damn!
0: Yeah, in the seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, she was only fourteen at the time.
2: God, damn!
0: And at the the time she was fourteen as well, she was also forging her mother's checks to get more money to buy drugs. So she was writing checks in her mother's name and uh, purchase, you know, cashing them out, and then uh, you know, using them to get more illegal drugs.
3: And Aren't her she? mom never
0: realized or what? <laughs> no, they, they caught up with her. They arrested her when she was 14, but she continued to do so after that. Um, her mom didn't put her in. you know, She had a stepdad, but they did not put her in any kind of, um, you know, program or didn't, you know, scared straight or anything else like that. And Juvie didn't really hold on to her that long. And because mm-hmm. of that, with no direction, she dropped out in ninth grade. Wow,
3: Mari didn't send her to boot camp?
0: No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. And uh, her last name was changed to Cornette, actually. it was She had a, a, a different maiden name because she was uh, married on her 17th birthday to Steve Cornette. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, they, they were both 17 years old, and they got their blessings from their parents, got married, and... Uh, it only lasted nine months but before her 18th birthday. They were already divorced or already going through the process of the divorce. Well, that didn't last long. Nope. It didn't. So that's, <laughs> that shows you her her background. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. And our next person is Edward Dean Mullins. And he was 19 at the time. He was born in 1978 in Harold, Kentucky. Uh, He had left the the school system in 1996, uh, just prior to graduating, Uh, but he was working on his GED, which he never got, but he had a uh, criminal record that he got (laughs) of forgery and theft. So he kind of learned some of his forgery stuff from his good friend there, uh, Natasha.
2: Hmm.
0: So uh, and Dean and Dean and Natasha became friends in 1993, 4 years prior to the incident. Um his parents said that his behavior was not always good and he got into trouble, but when he seemed to meet Natasha, his behavior got really bad. So
3: I wonder if those two were more than friends.
0: We'll we'll find out. We'll find out, but you uh, might be Ooh. might be barking up the right tree on that one, Gabby. Uh, our next person is Joseph Reisner. Uh, he was 20 years old. He was born in 1976 in Hazard, Kentucky. He <laughs> <laughs> just got to say it that way. You just can't say, oh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in Hazard." It's like, yeah, you know, we're going to Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Why <laughs> he, you got to do that, man? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, he was raised by his mother and took his stepfather's last name. Uh, the family moved to Columbia, Kentucky, and oh, okay. moved around for a few more years before they settled over here in Harold uh, or over there in Harold, Kentucky. Uh, Joseph claimed to have been molested by his babysitters, male and female, from the ages of 12 to 14, which started him on a history of, of uh, using marijuana, alcohol, and again, I don't understand how he graduate so fast, but uh, marijuana, alcohol, to LSD. Ooh. Yeah. So that was a pretty quick graduation. I mean, that's... <laughs> it's kind of crazy how he just jumped from... You know, those, yeah. you know, recreational stuff to just something big like that. But, oh, well.
3: He was going through it. He didn't want to feel anything.
0: And, yeah, and just he wanted to chase the dragon at the same time. Oh. Uh, he would join and meet up with Natasha prior to the LSD usage. So, you see a trend here? Natasha? Yep. <laughs> Damn it, Natasha! <laughs> but uh, they would meet at Betsy Lane High School. Uh, before Natasha had uh, dropped out, and uh, they would just remain friends and hang out on the streets. And he would also meet up with uh, Joseph Reisner at the time, and uh, Reisner, in his senior year, left high school uh, to join the Army while attempting to get his GED. But in 1996, he was released from the military for testing positive for marijuana several times and then was discharged Uh, He would eventually get his GED later that year in 96. Uh, He was the oldest one of the group, but he was dating another person in the group who was a minor, and that would be one Karen Howell, who was born in 1979 from Delaware, Ohio, which, again, if you're in America and you live in a city that has a name of two cities or a state in a city, it's not really a good thing. Just saying.
3: How
0: old was she? Uh, She was 17 at the time. So she was a minor. Or six, 16 and a half, 17 around there. Mm. Um, She moved to Kentucky area where she had an IQ of just 78. And she was into witchcraft, Ouija board, and stuff like that. And uh, she took part also in LSD, marijuana, cocaine, and a lot of drinking. Well, good lord. Yeah, and she was a problem child from
3: the inside out.
0: Yeah, and she was a problem child from the start, guys. Um, She she would get into several fights, attempted suicides. Uh, She beat up her parents at one point. Um, She had a history of cutting herself. So um, She had a lot of issues, you know, even with uh, the drugs. Beat Um, up her
3: parents?
0: correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So now the fifth one we're going to talk about is Crystal Renee Sturgill, who was 18. She was born on March 13th, 1979 from Harold, Kentucky. She was a senior at uh, Betsy Lane High School. So, again, that's where the commonplace is meeting all of them up over there. She met Natasha, too, Mm -hmm. and uh, she had attitude problems. Uh, Crystal's uh, school grades also dipped when she met Natasha, and she began to also dabble in alcohol and drugs. Um, So at this point, we've talked about Natasha, Dean Mullins, Joseph Reisner, Crystal Sturgill, and Karen Howell. Uh, These five teens would always hang out together outside school at Natasha's house or in the uh, the city, you know, playing by the, the back end of the, you know, swings or whatever when all the kids went home at Middle schools, or whatever, or behind liquor stores. So, um, these five were always seen together. Now, they did allow one other person to join the group, and he was the youngest of the group. And we have one, Jason Blake Bryant. Um, he was only three three first first names. names. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Jason Blake (laughs) Bryant, you get back here now. Stop (laughs) hitting your sister. Damn it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Nothing
2: guess. wrong with that, because I got three first names too,
0: but it's, that yeah. one's for sure. Three first names. <laughs> exactly. It'd be even better if it was Jason Blake Bryant the third. How old was this
3: kid?
0: He was only fourteen years old. Uh, mm-hmm. And he came from Heller, Kentucky, but he moved into that area. And he had, he was also starting to attend the high school, Betsy Lane High School. And he had an IQ of uh, slightly better than uh, Karen Howe. His was eighty-five, so he wasn't too smart. Um, he had tried c- committing suicide as well, and uh, but that didn't work. Uh, he got into a lot of petty um, petty theft and according to pike county kentucky he started drinking beer uh with his father when or when he was when he was in pike county kentucky uh he started drinking beer with his father at the age of three
1: Mm.
0: yeah and uh yeah three years old
3: what the heck
0: yeah that's apparently when it started And then, uh, according to him as well, uh, he started taking drugs at 11. And then uh, he started to take drugs around Natasha to get her uh, to be impressed with him. And uh, Natasha, uh, let's see, according to the testimony later on, we would find out that Natasha's mother was not strict whatsoever on her and uh, would pretty much let her do whatever she wanted to. And these kids, like... Uh, The young um, kid here, uh, Karen Karen and also Jason and the rest of the the ones that are older, obviously, than even Natasha. uh, They would come over to her house because it was a safe haven. And her mom and stepfather really didn't care about the kids dressing the way they did or or even drinking alcohol in the house, uh, smoking weed, stuff like that. It was just a safe haven for them not to be caught by adults or police.
3: Well, then you could say they
0: enabled it. As we say, that was the trap house. <laughs> that makes, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what, <laughs> so what do you think about these kids so far? Well,
2: I will say this. It seems like Natasha is the ringleader or the one that uh, everyone's, you know, circling, circling around. Correct. And um, oh, sorry. I, was, I was just going to say, it seems like all five of them have some kind of... Uh, you know, like a mental issue going on, you know, or going through some issues. So they turn to drugs to try to cope with that. So they probably got some, their own personal demons.
3: Oh, they definitely got demons with all the stuff they do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they all seem disturbed. Like they all have gone through something. So that's probably where they all found like common ground.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I agree with those points. And it's only going to get worse as we continue the story here. So, including all the things that I talked about that they like doing, including the school stuff and, and just their grades dipping, they're not really being responsible, even the ones that are older that are becoming adults. You've already had Natasha try to get married, and she did, but it failed before she's 18. All that stuff happened. Something that they, that they would do when they could scrunge up some money and you know steal a few things to actually have some money because these kids were stealing obviously you have a habit with lsd cocaine uh ecstasy those aren't cheap drugs so you gotta lie cheat and steal to get those drugs so they did and sometimes when they didn't want to spend too much on drugs well they would get a hotel and uh they would all hang out the six of them again a 14 year old being able to go to a hotel that's crazy
3: Um, (laughs) yeah where was his parents the 90s
0: man the 90s yeah i i don't understand it i really don't Uh, i've never been to
2: kentucky but you know maybe over there it's a little a little little different
0: yeah i mean maybe you just got to play a banjo and they just let you do whatever the hell you want oh come on man don't be so disrespectful (laughs) i just say it (laughs) um so they, they used to go to the hotels and they would take out razor blades during drug use not to cut up cocaine or anything else like that but they would start making cuts on the boys remember there's three boys three girls and the Mm -hmm. girls would well take turns licking their wounds drinking their blood and they would do the same to the girls and they would also well drink other bodily fluids from each other,
2: oh Whoa, Whoa, man,
0: hold on, yeah, hold on. don't tell me they would uh pee pee on them. There's it just said all kinds of body fluids, so there was sexual stuff, and there was probably right. some, uh, R. Kelly stuff going on.
3: They were masturbating. I want to
2: piss
0: on you, yeah, there was that too. Uh, but there was. <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, definitely sex and orgies and stuff like that going on. Oh, I can wow. believe it. Yeah.
3: Even with the fourteen-year-old. Correct. Oh wow! I can
0: believe it. Yeah.
3: That's disgusting.
0: Yeah, they were they were playing uh, satanic games, uh, killing small animals, mm. uh, Ouija boards. Um, mm. Yeah. So now that we got the main six out of the story or at least as far as putting them out there so you can kind of get an idea of what these kids are at the time now we're gonna go complete completely opposite of the qualities that those people put up today and you would you would be like okay you know what give me todd the 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 most opposite of the people you just described and i will do that i will I will give you the complete opposite of these people.
2: And the get- complete opposite would have to be someone with a, like, you know, I guess a religious background
0: or something like that. That would be correct. Would be High correct. IQ, good grades. That would be correct as well. Wow. So let's find out about these people, shall we? Let's <clears throat> do it. So we're going to keep, you know, so keep Kentucky in the back of your mind, but we're going to go to Tennessee, which Tennessee is just below Kentucky.
2: Tennessee whiskey. Yes, i wanted man. to go to tennessee
0: it's a beautiful beautiful place um let's talk about the opposite of these people okay. let's talk about one vidar lily and i hope i'm saying that right but lily mm-hmm. i think it's either <laughs> Lilylad or literally that's
3: an interesting name all interesting. of it
0: that's a very interesting name Vidar Lilylad. can you can you guess what country he's from i'm gonna say iran nope well, I guess more.
3: <laughs> um, jeez,
0: I don't know. Swedish, close Norway.
3: Oh, okay. In Norway.
0: Yes, he was a Viking probably at one time, or had ancestors that were Vikings around there. We just had a comment
2: from someone from Denmark on our uh, social media page. Yes, we did. It was Sweden. Oh, well, Sweden.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, Sweden. Yeah. Oh,
2: someone there. from Denmark too. We, we have
0: fans over there from uh, that area so uh he was 34 years old at the time uh in 1997 where this story takes place now he Uh-oh. was married he was married to delphina Lilyed lily lad i'm gonna be killing that the entire night so i'm gonna try to stick with it i think it's lily led but i'll go with it um awesome. she was 28 and she was a honduran national who moved to the united states when she was younger and she wound up getting her um what's it called uh, her papers uh visa? Visa. no not a visa uh she became
3: citizenship? a residency.
0: yeah citizenship yeah <clears throat> the two met in florida and got married so he was six years older than she was okay. um, so just you know while they were in florida the the two had a daughter uh, by the name of Tabitha she was six years old at the time of everything going down in 97 but they had her in prior in Florida and then their son named Peter I think just prior to them moving to to Tennessee so they only had been in Tennessee for a couple years but they started out in Dade County Cal, uh, Miami Florida which in the 90s was heavy heavy on drugs <clears throat> and the cocaine Empire and uh, there was a lot of uh, killings downtown and stuff like that, and a lot of drugs in the area. So, um, you know, Vidar did not want to stay there very long, and he felt like going somewhere safer would be um, moving over to eastern Tennessee, which was a, is obviously a lot quieter than Florida. And the family moved from uh, Dade County, Florida, which is in the southern part of Florida, I think, uh, up to the eastern part of Tennessee, which was be Powell, Tennessee, which is close to Knoxville. So it's on the eastern side of Kentucky. Um, so Johnny not Johnny Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> now what comes to play in this story is we've talked about various religions in these cases. Um, we've, we've touched on Catholics, Buddhists, everything else like that. And now we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. So, oh, okay. yeah, these <clears throat> this family was the dev, was devout Jehovah's Witnesses, and um, they they were very religious. They they lived by the Bible. They preached about the Bible, and they were very enthusiastic about it. And um, that's how they found each other too, um, by at one of the Kingdom halls down there in Florida at the time. So, fast Not- forward to April 2nd, 1997. Um, They embarked on a two-hour drive to Johnson City, Tennessee, which is about a good, you know, good 130 miles or so away from their home in Powell. And they were having an assembly there where Jehovah's Witnesses usually, it's a convention of about, depending on the arena or the stadium size, it could be anywhere from you know a uh, couple thousand to, to 50,000 people it just depends on the the, the venue and uh, it's just an encouragement there. Usually it's like a couple days or three days and uh, they, they study about the Bible, there's all kinds of talks and and things to encourage them to preach more and um, and, and get to other people in the uh, in, when they go door- to-door so they um went down there they had a great time they spent the three-day weekend down there um got a hotel or whatever and uh they decided you know when it was when it was time to go uh you know that they should uh head back that same afternoon on sunday because it ended a little early and the uh you know some of the families that were there at the assembly that went to the same, you know, came from the same area of Powell. Asked them if they wanted to, uh, you know, go out to eat, you know, and have dinner before they took the long drive back. Mm-hmm. But um, this was not a wealthy family. Vidar was a bellboy at a at a uh, what is it called? At a hotel slash waiter, so he didn't make too much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife was a stay-at-home mom, did little oddball jobs, you know, like knitting and stuff like that for friends just to make a few bucks. So they lived a very, um, like, like oh, go ahead.
2: No, a very simple
0: life. Exactly, exactly. So they, they weren't big spenders or nothing like that. They couldn't be. <clears throat> and they had a mini, uh, not a minivan, but one of those Dodge vans. I don't know if you remember them, like the Ram style. Mm-hmm. The ones that could sit like eight people eight people we used <laughs> yeah. to have my dad had <laughs> so one too did. dude yeah we yep. had
3: the one with the tv in the middle where you don't watch your head and
0: yep. it's over oh the You're... little the little uh, six inch tv oh no, yeah. yeah man <laughs> yeah like man. game boy hanging from the the wrap <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, so they, they decided to decline the offer to come back. They didn't and then even one of the parishioners said, Hey, you know what, we'll pay for your family. And uh, you know, Vidar was a not a you know, he, he was not a selfish guy or anything else like that, but he was very um what's it called? Uh modest. modest. He was proud and he and he didn't want to take a handout. Oh mm-hmm. so he decided he said, you know what, it's an early day on Sunday, you know, we pack our own lunches or, or dinners. You know we have little we'll brown paper bag it on the way back you know maybe we'll stop somewhere or whatever okay so instead of paying another day for a hotel or going out to eat so they decided to leave and keep in mind that they left on the second they were there for three days so it's now April 6th 1997
3: they haven't made it home
0: no 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 it's April because it, remember they spent the weekend there so April 6th they're departing from Johnson to head home. Mm-hmm. So that's the synopsis on the Lily Lid family. Uh, now let's get back to the goth kids. So, so keep them in mind there. Uh, they're still in Kentucky, right? Yeah, they're still in Kentucky at this point. But prior to April 6th, where the Lily Lids are leaving Johnson, Natasha, the ringleader, was getting kind of, kind of uh, bored with Kentucky. And she had talked to the other girls, and the guys agreed that they wanted to do something crazy and they wanted to leave Kentucky and they wanted to go on a road trip. And if the mm. road trip was good enough, they wanted to uh, make it something permanent, maybe because they felt they all felt together they had nothing going on in Kentucky. So. They were like, you know what? We're going to go on a binge. We're going to steal some stuff. We're going to break into things. We're going to try to take from our na- our neighbors, our parents, our brothers and sisters. Let's get as much money up together and we'll meet up at set date and we'll leave around April 4th or April 5th. So they plan this about like a week ahead of time. And uh, remember, uh, these kids are anywhere from uh, 20 to 18 and then you had 14 and a 17-year-old so uh-huh. two two minors at the time and uh again according to Natasha they started with a plan they started stealing from family and friends and from neighbors and the uh, couple of the kids not know which one at the time were able to steal a 9mm handgun and a 25 caliber handgun as well so now they're armed at this point
3: horrible mm
0: yep A bunch of
3: kids
0: on drugs, yeah. You got drugs and stolen things and weapons, and now you have Reisner's mother's car that he stole. He was 20 years old, living at home. She had a 1985 Chevy Citation. Do you know what car that was? I don't know, but
3: no idea.
0: I'm
2: pretty sure they had a lot of tickets.
0: <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Oh
3: wow.
0: <laughs> it was born to have a ticket. It was born to have a ticket. <laughs> no, that um that car, if you look it up, it's a it's a quintessential hatchback. Um very ugly looking. Um you can fit maybe three people in it comfortably, but you're putting six people in it now and with their stuff as well what they can carry on them or whatever. They're not putting big suitcases in there, but if you look up a Chevy citation, it'll give you an idea. Oh yeah. And it's sort of slightly bigger than a freaking Pinto. Oh
3: wow.
0: Yeah, I see it. I yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Okay. There you go. So uh, <laughs> this car uh, would have to, what happened? It's very eighties. It's very eighties. Yes. <laughs> and very cramped. Very and it's probably got an AC that comes through one vent. So it's not, you know, it's going to be uh, not to say it's really super hot in April, but it ain't cold either at that time. Um, so this car would have to fit all six, no matter how big or small these kids are. And you'll see that three of the kids are, you know, at least the girls are not that big. But you, but some of the boys, including Jason, the 14-year-old, is a big husky dude. So for all six of these kids to hang in this car like that that was an accomplishment in itself so if
3: they've been having orgies, they don't mind
0: pretty much yeah they don't (laughs) mind touching things so (laughs) (laughs) is is that your gun are you just happy to see me (laughs) you (laughs) know know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so these brilliant kids make up their mind that the destination is New Orleans Mm. New Orleans. Yeah.
3: More partying. Yep. Mardi Gras.
0: They were thinking Mardi Gras. Now I don't remember what time Mardi Gras is, but I don't think it's April, at least. But uh they embarked on their road trip to New Orleans on April 5th, which is a day before the Lilliads left that area in Johnson, so they were still down there. Um they would meet they would get to a motel to where later on the motel owner was pissed off because they did a lot of rituals, satanic rituals in the in the room. Oh, they wow. had seances. Uh, they drank a lot, and uh, for some reason the motel owner or manager did not make a phone call that night. And um, they they also would uh, trash it by ripping off some of the um, you know paint paintings on those walls and you know, the uh, wallpaper and stuff like that. So they checked out before all the damage was found. Was uh, up. Exactly. That night Reisner's mom would realize that her awesome car was stolen. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, would, she would file a police report. And um, these guys would get on the road that morning of April 6th and they would be heading south. Now, the thing is, they're pulled over by the state troopers at that time when they get into the um, Tennessee area. The problem is Johnson Johnson alert. Johnson here. Yes. Oh, yes.
3: No way.
0: We have a Johnson with, with one of those nice state trooper hats, you know, like the creased pants and, you know, like <laughs> – He's got the tie, and he's got that nice pressed hat and everything. It's all leather, and he's walking around all proud. But uh, he probably has an IQ of 54. Were and, they like punching chips? <laughs> no. He's more like, uh, I think it's Cletus from Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Cletus? <laughs> yeah. He pulls him over. He does the right thing there. He remembers to turn the lights on in the police car and everything. And, uh, you know, he gets out. Did he and he offer goes, them donuts? <laughs> no, but he's like, hey, you got a whole lot of people in a small little car right there. You look <laughs> awfully funny. That's why I pulled you over. <laughs> 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 now and he then, turned into Goofy. Okay. Goofy. Yeah, he's like, oh, you <laughs> 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 And then and then Natasha's like <laughs> Natasha's like oh we're just on our way to New Orleans he's like hey you guys gotta put on some seatbelts or at least take off one of them gentlemen's belts and tie yourself to the side of the door cause I don't want you guys to get hurt <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the cop doesn't and then remember this is 1997 not 67 <gasps> if he does his job and runs the plate the car is stolen and the story is over he arrests the kids yeah. Mm-hmm. If he freaking just realizes they're driving dangerously, there's too many people in the car. Mm-hmm. The car over at least impound the car or take or make sure that you know, hey, you, three of these people got to get out of the car. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. Know, I'll take the. I'll take you three into town. But you know, do something. Do something.
2: <laughs> I'll tell, tell you one thing, about If that was in South Central, that wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) They all would have been on the side of the street handcuffed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And see, he doesn't do anything. He just makes a note of the car and the stop and lets them go about their way.
3: Then what the hell was the point of pulling them over?
0: Isn't that protocol to pull somebody over? You got to run their plates? Yeah, but he didn't. Had he done that, the car was already listed on the national, um, what is it, uh, stolen uh, base or whatever for the, for the police. Like, like they, mm. it would have been a hot car. <clears throat> but he didn't do it. And all he mm. said was, was uh, I had a bad feeling about them kids. Well, if you had a bad feeling, do something. <sighs> but that's These nonsense. It was the 90s, man. It was the 90s. Yep unfortunately that break right there would let the rest of this stuff transpire ooh so these two groups that come from completely different backgrounds that would normally never meet up would now be on a collision course for each other Mm. Um, because <clears throat> the two kids as kids do on long road trips get hungry mm-hmm. the little kids at this point were wanting to make it all the way home but they were getting close to home but Vidar decided hey you know what there's a rest stop coming up here pretty pretty soon the kids have been very good at the convention for the last three days let's let them you know there's there's a play area right there where the the truck stop is or the little rest uh-huh. area. And they pull over, and they say, well, we'll let them eat, and we'll let them run around a little bit.
3: How old are the kids?
0: Six and two. Oh. So. I don't like where this is going, man. Yeah, you're not going to like it very much. So the two, you know, they get out. They, they have lunch. They're out of the brown paper bags. You know, they probably have, like, oranges and apples and sandwiches and chips maybe and some Capri Sun or high or something just just really normal run-of-the-mill kind of food nothing spectacular and um, as they're eating lunch and the kids are starting to play a little bit what pulls up right next to them oh. as they are feet away from their van the Chevy citation pulls the breakfast Club. yep so <clears throat> again Coming back from a convention, Vidar, who was probably very energized and very enthusiastic about, you know, learning maybe more about the Bible or picking up uh, techniques to preach to people a little bit better because he wasn't the most outgoing guy. So he's a little shy with his accent. He's got a heavy Norwegian accent. Um, he decides. You know, maybe these kids, this is a good opportunity for me to share a scripture with these kids. These kids mm. don't believe in the Bible whatsoever. <clears throat> so this is the wrong idea. And it's it's unfortunate, but and it's not his fault. It's just Yeah,
3: he had a good intention.
0: Yeah. It's just bad timing altogether. Mm. So he approaches Natasha and Crystal and asked if they believed in God. They did nothing but laugh, paid no attention, smoked some cigarettes and kind of walked away, walked a few feet away from him, but not deterred. He saw a little 14 year old. Supposedly little, but he's kind of big. Joseph Reisner and the driver, Dean Mullins, who's 20 by the car and asked them the same question. You know, like, do you believe in the Bible? Which surprisingly, both of them said, yeah, I believe in God. And so, right away, Vidar kind of, like, perked up a little bit and began to, like, read him a uh, a scripture or two. So, while they're having a okay. conversation, his wife is over there, Delfina, and she's with the two young children. She's still playing with them, but keeping an eye on her, son- on her husband. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Natasha's looking at their van. Like, hey, man, that's a nice van. You know, like, that's got, like could sit eight it's got the you know two rows in the back plus the the roll down bed by the back doors uh you could fit 10 people in there you know really Uh Uh so natasha's uh wheels were grinding in her head and she decides she looks at reisner and she says uh i want that van i want that van so reisner keep in mind Reisner pulls the gun on the family so in a split second that's it- the
3: youngest one
0: <clears throat> no Reisner is like the 20 year old Oh, okay so he pulls the gun and uh, he goes over to the family and uh, he tells them hey uh, <clears throat> we got it we got to uh, we got to go and you guys are gonna come with us and at gunpoint no one else is around that little truck stop or rest area. <clears throat> so unfortunately there's no one there to help him, help him out. But uh, three or four of the uh, the teenagers now shoo the four, the two kids and the mom and dad into the van while oh. they start up the van uh, the citation was driven by Reisner now who climbs back into the car so someone else is holding them at gunpoint. We don't know. Someone else is holding them on, on by gunpoint. Reisner goes with Natasha in the Citation, while the other four are in the van with the family. So they drive about three to five miles down the road to an access uh, road that goes right off the uh, the highway called Payne Mile Road, which is a gravel road. Uh, it, it's used to get to the outskirts, uh, uh, sort of like to those wind tower machines or... Um like water tower stuff, so it's off the grid a little bit. Mm-hmm.
3: That usually doesn't end well.
0: Nope. Yep. So um this story is gonna go back and forth and we'll get into the specifics because only the kids know what happened that day. Um, but let's let's uh let's get to what we can know exactly in the, the facts that we do know so listener discretion is advised this part's it's a little make you a little squeamish here oh man yeah um it didn't take long the four uh would be ousted out of the van now at this point at this point they're far enough off the road in a way that they could leave the family of four right there. And at worst, these kids get charged with um, Grand Theft Auto.
2: Grand Theft Auto, yeah.
0: That's it. And maybe you you get, if you have an aggressive prosecutor, you may get kidnapping because it was technically kidnapping. But you Mm -hmm. know how it is. You can plea out of that Mm -hmm. and just get a shorter stint. So these kids were looking at maybe five to ten years at most Mm -hmm. at this point. Um that's not how this one goes down, unfortunately. Uh. So at some point, someone was given the green light, and both guns were fired. Keep that in mind too. The twenty-five caliber and the nine millimeter. Um Vidar was shot once in the face in the right eye to be exact. Oh. And he was shot five more times in the chest. Ooh. Oh. He was killed in front of his family. Um, he was shot with both caliber guns. So again, keep that in mind. Uh his wife Delphina, she was shot eight times, uh, three times in the abdomen by her gallbladder, spleen, and pancreas, and oh. kidney oh. area. Then she was shot a couple times in her shoulder and an exit wound that went through her nose cavity area. So as she was down, she was shot in the shoulder and it left her shoulder area and then went into her nose. She was still alive enough to see her young six-year-old Tabitha being shot in the head, which the bullet exited her ear.
3: Oh, that's
0: her two-year-old Peter was shot once in the back of the head, where the bullet came out of his right eye. Yeah, um, my then he was shot. Why
3: would they need to do that?
0: And he was shot in his back, which came out his chest. The bullet. Two-year-old. Yeah, man, they, they gotta go. So, after that, all four were shot. They took the bodies <clears throat> of the parents, lined them together, and the two kids on the right hand, which uh, which the body was on the left. If you're looking, standing over them. Don't
2: tell me they do a satanic ritual.
0: No, they did. They, they put a kid in one hand and one hand on the right of the other one, and one hand on the left of the other one, with a, to make it look like a cross. Oh, with the the family of four. So dusty. Yes. So that um. As the bodies were laying there, they decided to take the license plate and everything off of the citation. Everything that was inside the car and put it in the van. And uh, before taking off, they drove over the Lily Lid's parents' legs, uh, crushing their legs in the process uh, no. with that van. The van's very heavy, it's a very heavy van. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: so. Where's- Dead at the time, the mom. I hope so. I
0: hope so. So, they um, they left all four right there. Um, and and took off down the road, left the car there and everything. they
2: bastards, man.
0: Yeah. So now I'm gonna play a bit of audio here, and uh, this is the Maintenance worker that was on scene, and he was just about within two hundred yards away, working on some equipment, and this is what he heard: "Why, they're being shot!"
1: I just got a contract to build this road and the tank site, and uh, it was one Sunday afternoon. It was uh, late in the day; um, wasn't quite dark yet. Uh, I walked up here to. Uh, look at the job, and uh, I heard a gunshot over to my right. I didn't think a lot about it. Uh, It's not unusual for people to shoot, you know, either hunting or uh, target shooting. Then there was a pause. I could hear hear a dog barking. Um, I could hear like, uh, sound like children on a playground at a distance. It wasn't over quickly, you know, it took some took some time. You know, the first shot, I I was kind of startled. Maybe stopped for just a second, then I continued walking. Maybe, five, between five and 10 seconds, I heard another shot. A large caliber gun. I heard another shot, and I saw Mrs. Lillard turned to her side and she fell to the ground. What did you do? I jumped into the van and I closed it closed the door, and I started to cry.
0: Now, that's Jason Reisner right there. He's on testimony. This is him saying that he started to cry, and he wasn't a part of it. But listen to him. Tell me this is not fake.
1: My I first thought when the door closed, I heard like a, started to hear like a burst go off. Uh,
0: and I thought, oh, my God, they're dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think by hearing him? Because there was no tears in that video.
2: Yeah, man, I can hear the fake phoniness through the phone from 2023.
0: Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not buying it. Yep. So, at this point, they're gone. That guy hears it though, and calls it in, and um, you know, to the I guess surprise, he starts heading over there to investigate he gets there at the, at the same time and as the um what is it called the uh not the state troopers get out get over there and they find the four bodies now they find the daughter moving a bit and right away because the police they're there and they're they're upset what they've seen it's it's a horrific scene and they're very upset and they call in helicopters right away And they, you know, they call in for for the helicopters because then the the little boy starts to move a little bit and gasp. What? So the helicopters come in, the fire department's trying to keep them stable or trying to get them stable. The parents are deceased. Um, They airlift both of the children to to different trauma centers to try to save their lives. Uh, Tabitha would last through the night. Before she was declared brain dead. Uh She would be taken off life support just hours later. Now, Peter. uh, Peter would go on to live. And this to this day, he's still alive. Wow. He has a hard time walking and he's blind in one eye because obviously the bullet went through the back of his head and destroyed the eye that it came out of.
2: Wow. Wow. So at two years
0: old. At two years old, yeah. He lost his entire family. Um, he's li- He lived with some relatives. He got a good job. And he's doing quite well, despite everything. Um, mm. so, so that's a plus that came out of this story. Now, <clears throat> the uh, idiots, uh, they're on the run. And they're on the run for a few days. Uh, once the state troopers got there they realized the citation you know had been stripped but the morons forgot that there there's a thing called the vin number Uh and the vin number is usually on the side door or it's on the dashboard or both and they were able to trace that vin number to Reisner's mom and when they called Reisner, they figured out all the, the group that's always together. And lo and behold, when they tried to track them down, all of them are missing. Mm-hmm. So that nice.
2: was an easy one. Well, that was pretty easy for them the detectives.
0: Yeah. So now they know. And judging, too, at the crime scene, they saw several um, uh, shoe prints, different shoe prints that weren't the lily Lids. So they figured, okay, we have a group. So they're putting it all together pretty fast. And this is actually a story that comes on America's Most Wanted as uh, the story was breaking live that this uh, that these gothic kids and playing into the satanic panic are on the loose and they've murdered an entire family. And look out for that van. So we're going to fast forward here. I'm going to give. Uh, I'm going to play some more audio right here which
4: so they're coming back into the united states well there are there's a computer system and the computer system generally they type in the uh tag number and get other information that computer system had not operated all day was not working when that van that they were in the lily lid van pulled in to the stall there to the gate the computer system started working. When they typed in the the uh, tag number the BOLO came up and uh, of course notified them that these people were wanted for murder that they were armed and dangerous and they acted accordingly and did a fantastic job of apprehending them. But the computer had not worked all day long until right then when that van came in. Mm. It's like the hand of God again just came down and said We're going to get you right
0: here. Mm. So what they had did is they went into Arizona. They actually made it across the border. And then they ran out of money for whatever reason. They tried to come back across the border. And like he said, the machine had not been working all day until that van pulled up. And at the last minute, it started working. And they were able to identify that those were the, the ones wanted for the double homicide. At the time because uh you know that they hadn't put it on the record that the third child had died or the third person had died
2: he he, the officer said something or whoever that was in texas he said that may have been the hand of god yeah that may have been yep (laughs) excuse me
3: that's crazy
0: yeah i mean that's that's how they that's how they were caught and Mm. So they were extradited back to face uh, charges there in Kentucky. Now, when they went on trial, the <clears throat> the overwhelming thing was that these goth kids had to pay. And um, boy, oh boy! Um, again, these these are white kids. So what I'm gonna say is is you know we knew that. Yeah, <laughs> but but what I'm gonna say is 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 Lynching was an option and not by the people, you know, because when you think lynching, you think man slavery and what they did in the past. Mm-hmm. This country's, been, you know, a dark past in a way in slavery. Mm-hmm. We're talking 1997. We're talking this was a national case and the people of Kentucky wanted to lynch their own citizens, supposedly, because of their satanic background and what they did to the family. The people were so angry. They had to call in the National Guard to protect the courthouse and the lawyers of the you know that were defending these these kids. The the people wanted to publicly lynch these people. They actually would set up nooses on the trees as what? The, as the vehicles would approach the courthouse so that the kids would see every time leaving the holding cell downtown, going to the courthouse, what the people wanted to do to them. And
2: you know what? Damn. I ain't mad at them on this one. The way they executed that family and then to the shoot two little kids point blank for no reason. Yeah.
3: Just to take their van?
2: Just for their van. This they could have
3: just left them at the freaking rest stop and taken off with the van.
0: Yeah, yep. Absolutely. I mean, they would have avoided the, uh, the what's it called, the kidnapping charge at that point.
2: Good for Kentucky. Good for the state of Kentucky. You know, for them to stand up for their people. You
3: know what pisses me off, of course.
2: Off with their wings, huh?
3: When you've got a case this clear and you know who did it, why do they deserve an attorney? Why should they have anyone defending them? or trying to lighten their sentence that's bullcrap you shouldn't have a right to that yeah Yeah, because of the belief that you're innocent until proven guilty but it's so freaking obvious like what do you
2: it's part of the system it's judicial system
0: you have to
3: do it like that don't deserve to be defended
2: it's protocol I get I get your point but it's protocol right
0: Yeah, some countries will just throw the book at you. This one, it gives you due process. And, um, you know, they, I mean, with all the evidence that they already had from the crime scene, everything else like that, they would go on to find out that the girls had tried to keep the kids calm on the drive before. And that, uh, well, they offered him candy.
2: Um, What I'm I'm saying is you kidnapped them and y'all got a gun at gunpoint. There's no way a kid's
0: going to be caught. Yep. Well, this is just what they're saying. And I got you. Yeah. And, and, but here's the disgusting thing, too. <clears throat> if they're trying to humanize themselves, they're not helping themselves because each one of them on their person on the van on the inspection at the border when they were arrested had something sort of as a trophy from the family. Like uh, oh, Reisner, Reisner had the ID and the wallet of Vidar. Uh, one of the girls had some stuff from Delfina. Um, one of the girls also uh, had uh, the what is it? The little little diary from the six-year-old. Uh, there was other various toys that the, that they kept along with them. So, you know these these kids were were not at all freaking. Uh,
3: they were celebrating. and proud of what they did.
0: Yep. Now, now listen to this part right here. I think this is the right part. I'm gonna queue up here. Over. With the bang.
1: I took off and I turned. I like pulled it hard over to the left. Like missed my car. And I don't know how long I was there. I mean, I'd never drove a van before, and I didn't want to wreck us. And um. Oh. I cut it back real hard right, I think we were like in a ditch or something, I don't know. I cut it back real hard right. And I remember feeling his head something.
4: They had a ritualistic killing, shooting of them, which everybody participated. There was no rituals or anything that was done at the crime scene, as the DA spoke of. I believe that when they killed the Lily lids, that they had in a, a, an occult purpose, and it was sort of a ritual.
1: These people were murdered to conceal the theft of the van. I think once they stole it, that uh, then something happened that may be related to uh, the satanic aspect of the case that everybody talks about. They were
4: binding or making a bond with the devil. Now prior to my experience in this case I might have had a little trouble
1: believing that. I don't think the fact that these people had been somehow involved with satanism had anything to do with who the victims were because they were Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't think it anything to do with that now, the prosecutor may disagree with that
4: these children were blonde haired blue eyed we learned later from an occult expert that those types of victims uh hold a special su- significance
0: so they're trying to at this time the district attorney's trying to say that it is that the that they were picked like they saw them it was not only the van it was the fact that they were blonde, blue-eyed. Uh, you know. They're, so they're pushing for the satanic murders right there, along with all the other charges. And the lawyers, though, <clears throat> do something brilliant. Defense attorneys? defense attorneys? The defense attorneys, yeah. So what happens here, I can get the testimony, but it's kind of grainy. It was kind of grainy in the beginning with Reisner there trying to fake cry again. But they put the dumbest kid in the line of fire, which is the youngest kid, Jason, and all five of them say that he's the only one that shot, and it was Jason's idea to run over the kids, um, even though Reisner said he didn't know how to drive the van and he accidentally ran him over, they would change their story and said, hey, it was his idea to kill the family." Nobody wanted to do it. Everyone turned around when he shot. They were begging for them to spare the kids. And uh but Jason, the 14-year-old was the one that shot.
3: And, wow.
0: <laughs> and they're trying to say that he shot with both guns. That's
3: All right. You got this girl who's the freaking devil herself and yeah, they're going to point at the youngest child. Okay.
0: And and here's the thing. The fourteen-year-old doesn't really fight back in court, and they're trying to make the jury believe that he is shooting two powerful handguns at the same time. Exactly, and uh, everyone knows it's BS. But the way that he, the way that they presented it, and the way that they made him take the blame, the way that he took the blame pretty much saved all their keysters from the death penalty mm. because had Dean said that he was a shooter had Reisner said he was a shooter maybe even if Natasha said she was a shooter four of the six would have got the death penalty I it's- think they still should have been period in- I
3: think so, too, because that's so stupid. If it had been the 14-year-old who was about to shoot the whole family and everybody else was begging him not to, the dad would have had time to do something or run him down. The stupid 14-year-old holding two big old guns. Yeah. And his, he was going to aim correctly and kill them all. I mean, come on. Yeah, it stupid not believe that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense because these people weren't tied up. So they were likely being held by the other individuals. So they were there. And whether Jason was a shooter or not, you know, there was a second shooter. There had to have been. The ballistics show that there was. There's no way that the kid could handle two guns like that at the same time and fire him at the same time. The trajectories were wrong. Everything pointed to two shooters. But they could prove that but they couldn't prove who it was that was a second shooter. And since everyone was dogpiling on Jason and Jason took it through his attorney, knowing that he was not eligible for, for uh, what he caught um, for the death penalty. it saved everybody else. And in Tennessee and in Kentucky, you best believe you're going to be euthanized because the death penalty is very much on the table. Um, that's another. Those are two other states like Texas that don't play around. Um, they
3: don't freaking deserve no less.
0: Yep. So what happened was, including Jason, which they're trying to change things for Jason to this day, but all of them received life uh, without parole, without a possibility of parole. Mm. Yeah.
3: I'm shocked.
0: Yeah, and a, a couple of them have offended since they've been in prison uh, with fights, including uh, Natasha tried to um, uh, stab another inmate. She held another one at hostage before she had to be tased. Um, the,
3: Doesn't that show them who the that. hell took the lead?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, but there's still some sympathy for um, a couple of these kids from a select few but they have been held, a lot of them in uh, different situations have had to be moved from other prisons because people want Adam still to this day. They want uh, prison justice because of what they did to that poor family all those years ago. Yep. So
3: that makes me angry, and I don't even yeah, know who I've, they are. And it, it was so many years ago, and it pisses me off. So I don't blame everybody who was in that time.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean the, the only the only good thing that came out of this story is that Peter is alive and well. He's married and has a nice job. Um very much off the grid. Uh, I don't know if he's he's a practicing Jehovah's witness or not, but I heard he's doing really good. Uh despite, you know, the uh trauma that he, you know, mo- you know, should have been dead. And this like I said this case shook the most uh, veteran detectives and police officers and really pissed off the east coast and uh everyone in that area um they really wanted these kids that were on the loose for a few days afterwards
3: what about the parents
0: uh the parents um there's there's a documentary where i got some of the audio from um called six the movie if you want to look it up on youtube it's free um you'll see the parents and the parents try to come off like you know like well, I tried they just came out oh, the yeah, they came okay. you know <laughs> one of those uh, and then their friends are like, I don't think they were so bad they they were you know they, they were just misunderstood. so Yo. there's a lot of excuses going on for those kids in the documentary and only it seems like the district attorney and a couple others speak the truth.
2: No, no, no. Like the the one I did last week, the James uh, story. Those were ten year olds, and I'm not excusing them whatsoever. They were kids. These people were adults, teenagers, and some in their, in their twenties. I'm sorry. I would have threw the book at them. I would have given them. Yeah, that.
3: you got a big level of knowing what's right from wrong already.
2: The fact that you shoot a two-year-old, a six-year-old, and then top it off, you killed their whole family. You kidnapped them over a stupid man. Yeah, I'm cool.
3: And then you're still going to run them over?
2: I'm cool. Yeah, they got to go.
0: Yeah, and then, like, you see Reisner on there. He's just trying to cry, and he can't. He can't muster any tears. If you look at the other girls at the time on the podium, they're very nonchalant. They're trying to look sympathetic, but they're... (laughs) I mean I, you, could, you could tell whether the first acting you've seen in life <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean you could tell if you're in those neighborhoods and you saw that crap being played out on television yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd want to lynch them too you know, you
2: know what I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm hey Kentucky good job you know I yeah I probably would have want to lynch them too because that right. hits you know that that hits home that hits close to home
0: because yeah, i mean i'm not i'm not um i'm not for like you know public murder and all that stuff and and you know like a lot of people have a hard stance on on capital punishment anyway and eye for an eye some people believe in it some people say you let them rot in prison but um <laughs> i wouldn't have shed it. i would have been like reisner i wouldn't have i wouldn't have been showing any tears uh, <laughs> if they had been lynched in the middle of the street by the people you know what i mean like you almost you almost kind of wish that one of those trucks that or vans that were holding them on their way to the uh, the um, the prison would just pull over and uh, post a sign on the side of it saying, "Hey, the uh, the murderers are in this van. I'm going to get a burger right now. I should be a good thirty minutes. The doors are open. The doors
2: are open. No cameras.
0: They're locked up. Do what you may. So. Come on, man. I, a two year old." that's despicable
3: it's all of them like no i get and it the two-year-old so sad such a baby and then a the six year old like what do they know that's what i'm saying they don't know but anything you're targeting a family that's trying to do right and live their life as best they could and raise their kids with good morals you're gonna target them yeah that's what really pisses me off it's like he had no bad intentions. He was trying to share something good and he's on his way home from having a good weekend with his family. Yeah. I they mean, go and do something that F duck.
0: I wish they had just told the family, Hey F off, get the F out of my face. And that's the end of it. You know what I mean? So if he had to get a, like a bad, you know, uh, experience as far as them telling, you know, cussing him out or something, fine. Let it be that. Or you're yeah. like Gabby said, tell them to F off and take the van, you know, but leave the family alone. You know, they, they didn't deserve that. And, you know, you know, he tried to
2: preach to the two girls. They laughed it off and started smoking. All right. Most people probably would have been like, well, let me just leave these people alone. No, he, he still tried to talk to the, the boys, you know, and he got a response from them, but then dumb, dumb, the, the, what Natasha or whatever her name is, comes over and be like yo i want that van." and yeah man that that one bothered me
3: i do believe that it wasn't just the van i i think they laughed at them and they were probably annoyed by him trying to preach to them and then noticed the van that they would fit better obviously they were headed somewhere so i think they thought of all that but i feel that if they hadn't been like targeted for them to do their stupid satanic ritual and and all that, they wouldn't have killed the family. They wouldn't have taken them. They would have just taken the van and be gone. The fact that they took them to an isolated area and then put them in that manner after killing them, you targeted them for a reason.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with that because you think about it. Bullies target people that they can bully. They don't target bully. uh, Bullies don't target people that they know. Be like, Oh, okay. They're going to put up a fight. He, they probably saw his demeanor. You know, he's a very simple guy. He had a strong accent. He probably was very humble. Who knows? And they saw them as an easy target. Yeah, bullies. So, yeah, I agree. They they targeted him.
3: You put the family in the shape of a cross. What are you telling them?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. I believe they yeah. targeted them.
3: I think it definitely had to do with their stupid Satanism.
0: Yeah, see, Gabby's right there with the district attorney, and so's Matt, like... You guys are calling it like you can see it. I mean, there's two plus two equals four. I mean, the stuff they were doing in the hotel prior, the stuff that when they dove into their backgrounds over there in Kentucky, they found out all that satanic stuff they were into and doing all those rituals and the way that they had orgies. And so, I mean, it all adds up, you Uh know, and then for them to deny it on the podium and say, well, you know, we were all having a good time. And, yeah, we made a mistake in kidnapping them. But it was all Jason's fault. You know, Jason pulled out the guns and he started shooting. It's like, nah, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, I'll say this. Jason, he he took it on a chance. He didn't snitch on his friends. But in this one, I wish they all still would have got the death penalty. Like, come on
0: now. yeah, Yep
2: i have i don't give a damn that he didn't snitch on his friends like who cares no no i'm not saying like i'm proud of him or anything like that. i'm just saying he took it on a chin. like you know he really really stood up for his friends on that one like i'm i'm shocked you know they all threw it on him i would have been like yeah right you know homeboy shot like if i'm going down i'm taking the whole team you know what i'm saying i'm not he didn't do that he, he you know he just took it on a chance i wish he didn't but
3: but the fact that people bought it like how stupid that was
0: yep it's you're because- going
3: play it that way and it's like okay the 14 year old influenced all of them including the adults in the group
0: yeah yeah the newcomer too you know what i mean like he wasn't part of the the click originally he had just gotten it, it like into the clique. you know what i mean and he's the youngest one like oh. Gary said so all of a sudden he's the ringleader all of a sudden he's the gunslinger so I mean the evidence was there I don't know why they didn't push against what their they were the testimony was but either way the the jury bought the fact that he was you know they couldn't prove it any other way so that if he wasn't the you know if he wasn't the double shooter like they proved that but he was a shooter I guess that they proved it enough through testimony that yeah he pretty much by falling on the sword saved the whole group i mean he was going to get life without parole but maybe an opportunity after like 35 years of possibly getting parole on a rule change but i think that evaporated i mean there's still his lawyer still trying to fight for him cuz he's the only one that realistically has a chance to get out the other the other five will never see the light of day
2: If uh, they shouldn't
3: Why? Why does he have that possibility if they piled it all on him, if he's the killer? He
0: was young at the time, right? Yeah, he was a minor. The 17-year-old was still – she was uh, tried as an adult. Uh, The 14-year-old was technically not tried as an adult. So he has the – there's an open – there's a loophole basically. There's a loophole, yeah. It
3: doesn't that it's so stupid and so contradictory. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. That you're going to charge that one particular one and take what everybody else says and say he's the one that shot them. He's the one that killed them. But you're not gonna try him as an adult. You're gonna try him as a child. And then he has the possibility. The one you're saying pulled the trigger. The one you're saying is the reason behind the family no longer being there. It's going to get a possible change of, of uh, sentence. Yeah. That makes no sense.
0: Because there's a possibility for him. He's 39 now. So in 10 years, he has a possibility of uh, being able to hit his first uh, parole at 49. But the yeah. you yeah, get man.
3: my point though. Like, why are you gonna try him as a kid and not an adult when you're gonna lay everything on him?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so they, they, they didn't technically try him as a as as a kid though, because then he would have been he actually would have been eligible for parole at 21. Uh, 20, yeah, at 21. But they they got some extenuating circumstances to make it. To where he was kind of tried as an adult but like i said it was as a kind of a gray area it's a loophole
2: yeah, it's yeah. A loophole.
0: so they used a loophole but they opened up a loophole for him as well so they so they didn't exactly close the door on him they closed the door on the other five um like i said i wish they would have executed two of them at least i think natasha should have went i think reisner should have went uh dean probably too but um yeah, it's just messed up how it is now. I mean, they're all still breathing. Mm-hmm.
2: And three of the four is not. Yep. Man, that hits home.
0: That's a tough one, right?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one, man. I never heard of that one. But, um, dang. Dude, yeah, that was tough. Yeah,
0: that's,
2: uh-huh. that's the Lid case. Little, little, it's hard oh, to explain. I gotta
0: look that up. Yeah, look up the movie uh, Six. It's just S I X dash uh, the movie on YouTube, and uh, it's about just under an hour. In your it's based
2: day. on that story.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It describes the case from start to finish, and then it also has like I said, testimony from the kids, friends that knew them in high school and around the town has their families. And, and they're trying to like discuss what happened in Natasha's life, the way she went, the way she did. So you have a lot of, you know, her family trying to stick up for it or wash their hands of it, talking about the other kids. And then they show courtroom testimony from the kids. Um, and then them all putting the blame on Jason at times, then the district attorney, uh, pretty much stating the facts, you know, kind of like crapping on all what the kids said. Uh, it's a good hour watch. All right. Mm. Well, thank you, Todd, for that one. You got it. Well,
2: I'm, I'm definitely want to look into that one for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a tough one. But um, we're going to bring this story to an end. Thank you once again, Todd, for breaking down that story. Uh, And remind you guys quickly, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. Listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podline, Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser for those outside of the country. Uh, Tough one. But we're going to end it. Again, uh, this has been the Grinding True Crime Podcast. This has been your host, uh, Maddie Matt, along with
3: Gabby Gab.
2: And Side Fox, And we are
0: signing off.
3: Toodles.
0: Peace. Y'all come back down here unless you have a ticket outstanding. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh <my God. laughs>